It's Grace here to tell you all about our new podcast at Which. It's called Get Answers and you can listen now on whatever platform you like. Me and co-host Harry will be with you every other Monday with episodes dropping each fortnight as we help you solve life's everyday problems. Whether it's getting the most from your weekly shop, finding travel hacks to save on your family holiday, or simply learning the tricks that make your everyday life easier. And we'll be joined by the very best experts too. Just search Get Answers and subscribe so that you can catch our episodes as soon as they drop. When life gives you questions, which... Get answers. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Sorting out your money can be dull, we dread it and avoid it, but you would be surprised how much you can get done in a few hours these days. Pick one thing and say, okay, I'm going to do this in the next two weeks, in the next month, that's my little target to myself, and have a reward. This week on the podcast, and in our first episode of the year, we're looking at the best ways to save and make money in 2024. Whether you're looking to get out of debt, free up a bit of cash, or wondering what to do with any money you have spare. And to do this, I'm pleased to say we're joined by the deputy editor of Which Money, Sam Richardson. And it's a very warm welcome to the host of the FT's Money Clinic podcast and award-winning journalist, Claire Barrett. Welcome both. Hi, Lucia. Thanks for having me. Well, today we'll be covering plenty of advice I really do think will include something for everyone, whatever position you're in. And I think a good place to start is sorting out your spending. So that's easy wins to reduce your outgoings each month. Now, this is incredibly broad and there's a lot we could talk about here. Sam and Claire, shall we start with our bills? Um, What should we all be doing this year to make sure we're not overpaying more than we need to? Sam would agree on this. The biggest thing that you need to do in 2024 is plan ahead. Mm. You should sit down as soon as possible whether you're using a paper diary, your phone calendar, whatever it is, and work out when things run out and when things renew. Now, I think the big ones, obviously mortgages, we're going to talk about those later, but also rent. If you're renting, your rent is likely to to go up or you might have to move somewhere else and there are obviously all kinds of costs involved in that. Um, If you've got a 0% credit card deal that's coming to an end, again, we're going to pick up more on those later. But I have noticed that lenders are getting incredibly fussy about how much debt they will let you roll over. So you might have a bit of a nasty shock there. But again, if you prepare for it, it will be less of a nasty shock. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is insurance. I have been absolutely horrified by the amount that my different insurance premium have gone up this year. My Mm -hmm. husband's car insurance. I mean, we had to take my 27-year-old son off it, um, which is a shame because it normally meant that we could have a nice night out and then he'd drive us home. <laughs> yeah, I love um, that. <laughs> but, you know, for an extra £600 to have him on it for one mm. year, that's just a luxury too far. We'll have, to, we'll have to get a taxi. But also home insurance, buildings insurance, all of these things are, are going up. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic place to start. You know, all of our tips do need you to be aware of when stuff runs out and to give yourself, you know, at least a weekend to look at kind of switching it. We said we're insurance, you know, remembering to compare and then take those other quotes to your insurer and ask, you know, can you do a better price? 
could we say, yeah, take someone off the insurance or remove an add-on that you know you don't feel you need to make it a bit easier? The other one we're saying all the time is pay annually for your insurance because if you pay monthly, you incur interest payments uh, and you can spread the cost uh, off of paying annually using a 0% um, interest credit card. Um, so definitely one to look at. I'd just like to throw actually a little bit of an easier one in as well, which is mobile phone bills. Um, I'm actually staggered when I talk to my friends and they're paying £40 a month for a mobile they've had for years because mm. they've never, ever switched. I pay £8. Uh, and, you know, the, the trick is just to move to what, what's called a SIM-only contract. Yeah. Um, they're very, very cheap. Uh, often, you know, it won't be a provider you've heard of, but they're using the same networks as the major providers. Um, so I'd really recommend trying that because it really isn't much effort. You can keep your number uh, and it will save you quite a lot of money. I see kind of what I'm about to say now as a kind of a second part to this, and it's claiming everything you're entitled to. And again, we could talk about a whole range of stuff here, whether that's council tax discounts, marriage tax allowance, any other benefits. What are some of the ones you think our listeners are most likely to be missing out on or, or de- deserve a kind of special mention here? I mean, I'm going to volunteer the council tax discount, particularly the one if you live alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 25% in my part of London. I believe that's the case for most councils. Um, but, you know, you do need to make the council aware of that um, and apply for it. Uh, and that's living alone, by the way, being the only adult in the house. Uh, if there are people under 18 in the house, they don't count for this. So definitely worth looking into that one. And am I right in thinking there's a similar kind of discount if you've got a student in the house? Yeah, so if you're all students, then you get 100% off mm-hmm. your council tax. If you've got one student and other people who are working, normally you would be able to get 25% off um, for that bill, although whether you choose to share the discount between you or just mm-hmm. let the non-students uh, work it out between them, that's up to you. A really good tip, that. Something I learned much too late um, when my, my sister-in-law now is not no longer a student but was living at home, and I do kick myself for that, so... Worth, worth a mention. Um, and Claire, is, anything, is there anything you'd like to, to add to that? So I think the benefit that most people who I speak to during the course of my working life at the Financial Times miss out on completely are parents who don't know about tax-free childcare. Now, mm. this is a benefit, unlike some of the other ones which don't kick in until children are older, this kicks in for very young children. So long as you're buying their care in of Ofsted registered setting, whether that's like a registered childminder or a nursery, you pay money into a tax-free childcare account and the government will top that up by 20%. So it's worth up to £2,000 per child per year. And often people only find out about it through word of mouth through other parents. The other thing I would say is it's worth checking out what benefits your employer offers you. Mm. All employers are different, but it could be something like getting money off eye tests mm-hmm. if you're using computers as part of your job. I think by law, employers um, are supposed to offer you that. I got a free flu jab uh, mm-hmm. through my employer this year. It could be really cool stuff. I mean, there's the cycle to work scheme where you can buy a bike tax free. Some companies have been offering staff the ability to purchase electric vehicles um, tax-free mm-hmm. through salary sacrifice schemes. I mean, sadly, it looks like that. It's one perk that's perhaps coming to an end now. But 
every company is different. Some will have shopping vouchers, some might have something that's related to what the company does that you can buy for a discount. But unless you look on the staff website, you're never going to know about these things. And now then, with all of this under your belt, can we talk about tackling debt? Um, So the advice we've covered can go some way to help. I'd really like to cover the groundwork. So if you're in debt, how should you work out what to pay off first and any other key advice? So my overarching piece of advice to anyone who's in debt and is worried Mm -hmm. about the level of debt that you're in is to lose the shame. Mm -hmm. So many people are in debt at the moment. It's not a personal failing of yours if your debts have got out of control. But what would be a personal failing would be if you didn't ask for help Mm -hmm. soon enough. So ask for help early and ask a debt charity. If your debts are quite simple, and related to things like consumer debt, credit cards, I would say go to Step Change. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even just looking on their website or doing web chat mm-hmm. um, with them, frankly, might be enough to put you in the right direction. If your debts are more complicated and relate to priority debts, household bills, which Sam's going to talk more to in a minute, I would say go to Citizens Advice because they have a lot more experience in dealing with the complications that can arise from those. And if you're self-employed, so your personal and your business's finances are mingling, then go to Business Deadline. If things aren't at that stage yet, it's also worth looking at how expensive your debts are. So overdraft debt, credit card debt can be really, really expensive. It is possible to do something about that. So with overdraft debt, you can move that to a money transfer credit card. It's a type of card that gives you a certain number of months with uh, no interest. You still have to make payments, but you can gradually pay off your debt. They do come with fees, so it's not a perfect solution. Uh, For credit card debt from other types of credit cards, you can move that to a balance transfer card. And it is possible to get balance transfer cards that don't have fees. So you're potentially getting uh, 18 months or so to pay off your debt gradually. Now, you do need to do this with a lot of organisation. Put together a plan like how are you going to meet those payments? Where are you going to free up the money from? I think that's really important there. And actually just returning to that point about, you know, not suffering in silence. We've been saying with mortgages the whole year, if you're concerned about, say, your fixed rate mortgage is about to come to an end, the payment's going to skyrocket, talk to your provider. They're obliged to listen to you and help you. But, you know, if you leave it and miss a payment, that's when things get really difficult. The only thing I'd add on credit cards is I talk to a lot of debt advisors in the course of my job because everyone has debts. Mm -hmm. Richer readers of the FT have debts. They just have bigger ones (laughs) than the rest of us. And the problem that people make when they use balance transfer cards to get themselves out of jail, as it were, is they don't close the old card. Mm. And then they end up maxing out the new card and then they think, oh, the old card is there. And it's just that temptation to use up that line of credit. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do to be cutting off um, a line of credit, but really you've got to stick to that budget, make sure that these debts are something that you can afford Mm. to pay back and not let it spiral out of control. And if you feel like it is spiralling out of control, then speak to somebody sooner rather than later. I was told by Step Change once that the average person who phones them up is kind of thinking about it for about a year before they actually pick up the phone. And in that time, the amount of interest and the late payment reminders, Mm. the problems, the knock-on effects of not paying a bill, like you said, can be so much worse. All super important stuff there. Well, after a quick break, we'll be back with plenty more advice on what to do if you have a bit of extra cash spare and how to make the most of ISAs after this.
Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful, then you might also like to subscribe to Which Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Which Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit which.co.uk forward slash join money. That's which.co.uk forward slash join money and sign up today. Well, firstly then, Sam, can we talk about ISAs? They were mentioned by the Chancellor in his autumn statement a couple of months ago, and we are coming up to the end of the tax year, which does be ISA season. So how can we make the most of them in the coming year? Yeah, so I would certainly recommend using up your ISA allowance. You can put up to £20,000 into ISAs um, over the tax year. And I would recommend here, if you have investments outside of ISAs, to perhaps make them your priority for moving aside of ISAs. The reason being that the tax-free allowances for investments, tax-free allowances for capital gains when your investments increase in value and for dividends if you get paid those, they're about to be uh, cut in half in April and they've already been cut in half once already. So you don't want, you know, these gains, if you are lucky enough to make them, to be kind of eaten by the tax man as such. Um, if you've got you know more uh, than that in kind of ISAs, to start gradually moving them, but do use up that allowance. Uh, with savings, again, I would move savings into ISAs. It used to be a couple of years ago that uh, rates on cash ISAs were much worse than interest rates on savings counts. The gap has narrowed quite a lot now. So I would say, you know, if you're if you've got say over twenty thousand pounds in savings, you're at risk of a tax bill, particularly if you're a higher rate taxpayer. So look at moving those into cash ISAs. Um, and, you know, next year, the rules are being simplified effectively with ISAs. You'll be able to open as many of each type as you want. Uh, so you don't need to be you know, quite as um, careful as before. So do make the most out of ISAs. And Claire, on ISAs, there's often some confusion around what you can and can't do, isn't there? So presumably this has come up many times on your podcast and beyond. Um, What advice would you have here? Yeah, well, the good news is is that the Chancellor has listened Mm. um, and the reforms that he's proposing to put through in April, as Sam mentioned, at the moment, if you want to get a really good deal on a cash ISA and the one on your existing cash ISA has come to an end, then you've got to organise a transfer. Now, my husband tried to do that last year. I actually wrote about it in my FT columns. It took three months. Mm. Um, It's paper-based forms. It's wet signatures with ISAs. It's a very kind of archaic um, regime because they need to keep account of everything for tax purposes. So if you're able to just open a new account now um, and transfer the money over rather than having to transfer the account and open it at the same time, this very, very clunky process, then I think that will definitely help lots of people. When it comes to investment, you've also got different types of investment ISA that you can get. Obviously, there's the lifetime ISA for the under 40s. Not all of the investment platforms offer that, but there are also different approaches to investment. For example, Vanguard, the huge US passive funds platform, they launched in the UK a couple of years ago. It's probably the cheapest place to buy Vanguard's own funds, but 
if you want to invest in direct shares as well, their platform doesn't offer that. Mm. So you would need to have another ISA. So more options for investors and importantly, fractional shares. This is a big FT campaign. Lots of younger investors in particular like to invest in shares of what we call the Magnificent Seven, the top seven biggest tech stocks in the US, names that you'll recognise from your everyday life, Amazon, Google, Apple, maybe some that you won't like, NVIDIA, which is one of the biggest players in the AI world. They're the seven biggest companies in tech, but their shares are pretty hefty. If you wanted to buy one share, you're looking at a couple of hundred pounds for a share. And there are lots of smaller trading platforms in the UK that have offered younger investors the opportunity to buy a fraction of a share for a few pounds and put it within their stocks and shares ISA. Now, there was a big standoff between the ISA providers and HMRC earlier this year about whether this was in fact allowed or not. And in the autumn statement, it looks very much like the way is being paved um, for that to be rubber stamped. So hopefully at the budget in April, we'll get the final confirmation that that's all going to be all right. And just to go back to a point you made about the lifetime ISA, for anyone listening who doesn't know about that, who might be interested in taking out one of those? Okay, so the lifetime ISA, if you're under the age of 40, over the age of 18, then you can open one. It forms part of your overall ISA allowance. You can pay in up to £4,000 per year and the government will give you a 25% top up. So if you did the whole four grand, then you get a free £1,000. So pretty good. But there are restrictions on what you can do with the money in that ISA. The use that most people have in mind for it is buying their first property. But there's a cap on the maximum value of a property you can purchase, which is £450,000. That hasn't changed since it was brought out. And lots of people feel trapped because obviously house prices have run away with themselves and that limit hasn't Mm. changed. Or alternatively, which is what I do with my own lifetime ISA, you can treat it like a pension. You can access the money when you're 60, you'll still get that 25% top up, but I invest mine in the stock market. You can either do cash, you can do stocks and shares, mine's a long term one. So I'm doing stocks and shares. Lots of food for thought there. And now can we move on to a little bit about tax? We are, of course, approaching the self-assessment tax deadline later this month. And I should say we we will be doing a podcast all about tax in a couple of weeks. But can I hear from you now, Claire, on what we could do to help reduce the amount of tax we pay? Could we start with perhaps ways you might be able to reduce your income tax, first of all? Okay, so income tax is a really, really big focus for people at the moment because of fiscal drag, inflation pushing up our pay and pushing us in to those higher Mm. tax bands. And I have to say, it's a particular issue if you've got young children because there are various pinch points in the tax system where more of your pay is taken away. These pinch points, if your salary is kind of like just over them, a little bit over them, it's really worth knowing about salary sacrifice. This is the tax system that most big companies use with their defined contribution pension scheme. So not the public sector. They have defined benefit, which is a joy all of its own, much more generous. But if you're in a big DC scheme in the private sector, chances are that you can opt to use salary sacrifice. And what that effectively does, it brings down the level of your pay because you're diverting more of your salary into your pension, your retirement fund for the future, which will save you not only income tax, 
but national insurance as well. Some amazing advice there. And before we move on, it'd be good to touch on the self-employed here too. Often different rules apply, of course. So what about the things people in that position might be able to do? Okay, so I mentioned the lifetime ISA before. If you are self-employed and you're under the age of 40, I would say just get a pound and open a lifetime ISA because it's something then that you've got and you can pay into until you're 50 and get that 25% government bonus on up to £4,000 per year. Now, you might not need it, you might not want to lock it up, but you've got an option then to do it because the biggest problem for the self-employed is that they don't get that free money of employer pension contributions. And having been self-employed for various points in my life, you don't know when your next paycheck is coming from. Companies often pay you late. That's a big problem. Again, we have some promises to address that in the autumn statement about bloody time. And you're very hand-to-mouth as somebody who's self-employed. So locking up money into a pension that you can't get your hands on until you're in your late 50s is something that a lot of people find um, quite, quite terrifying. So I would say maybe have stages for your retirement savings. Maybe pay it into a cash ISA first, where if you really needed to get your hands on it, you could. And then maybe think about transferring some money from a cash ISA to a stocks and shares ISA for the longer term, using ISAs more as your pension vehicle, because they are more, more flexible. If you need to apply the hammer to the piggy bank, you wouldn't want to, but you really could. Mm-hmm. And then with the lifetime ISA, at least you are getting that 25% top up from the government, although you do have to lock it up. The final point I'd make is look at your tax status. Now, most people who are self-employed are sole traders. So you're just earning tax, income tax, paying your tax return in January in the normal way. If your business is getting bigger, it could make sense to become a limited company and be a director of your own limited company. And the big advantage there when it comes to pensions is that you could, with the help of an accountant, set up a company pension fund. But I would advise talk to an accountant about that because there's a lot of costs involved, Mm -hmm. namely accountancy (laughs) being one of them. But if your company is growing um, and it's getting bigger and you might employ staff in future, that kind of stage, then that could definitely be worth looking into in 2024. A lot to take away there. And now it's a time for a classic. And I do feel like we tend to mention this maybe even once a month, um, but for good reason, I think. And it's switching bank account. Sam, what are some of the benefits here? And tell us what some of the deals are right now. Yes, so it's one of the easiest ways to get free money, uh, which usually, of course, in personal finance would have a very stern warning about that indicates a scam. Or often in the past with banks switching offers, we've said, well, don't switch to a terrible bank just because they're offering you £100 now. Well, the great thing is now the two big switching offers out there are from banks that are really highly rated. One of them at First Direct is which recommended provider. And if you switch your current account to them, they'll give you £175. And Nationwide, uh, which is highly rated, is offering £200 at the moment. So both of these current accounts come with excellent regular saver accounts attached. They're ones where you save a certain amount each month. So very useful if you're trying to build up your savings and you want a salary. Nationwide paying 8% interest, First Direct paying 7% interest. Both of those are above inflation. And First Direct also has fee-free spending overseas, so really useful for your holidays. So I will say to get these offers, you would have to be brand new to First Direct. You can't have any previous products for them. 
Um, and if you want to go for Nationwide, you can't have received a switching bonus from them since August 2021. So the good thing is with switching banks now, it's much easier than it used to be because the current account switch service, they will move all your current payments, including money coming in, such as your salary, automatically to a new account. The only thing I believe you have to move is certain card payments. And this should all happen, I think it's within seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly if you incur costs as a result of mistakes in that process, they'll also pay those. So it's really easy. Would definitely recommend giving it a go, even if you've got no problems with your current bank. That's a lot of free money on the table from very highly rated banks. Oh, I'm a big fan of switching. All our listeners will know that I do need to jump on one of those soon. Um, and just before we wrap up, what about moving your savings? Claire, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on what's happening with rates at the moment. You know, have rates peaked? And should we be racing to make the most of the rates out there at the moment? Well, yes and yes. <laughs> that was a quick answer, wasn't it? Rates most definitely have peaks. Um, I had some emails in my inbox earlier on today Uh, saying that various different savings um, accounts rates are already coming down. I mean, the flip side of this, of course, on the positive side is that mortgage rates are also coming down. This is because people are anticipating that we're going to get several interest rate cuts from the Bank of England next year, even though the Bank of England is saying, no, not on your Nelly. (laughs) Um, But if you have got money to save, then I would say move it and switch it now. But also do be aware of what Sam said about tax on savings interest because this is going to affect somewhere between one and two million people mm. in the next 12 months and it's not been a thing ever really because when they brought in these rules about tax on savings interest interest rates were about to take this great roller coaster down mm. the way so you if you were a higher rate taxpayer somebody earning more than 50k you don't really need about eight thousand pounds in savings in the current top paying account before you're going to have to pay tax on your savings interest at the same rate that you pay income tax. Mm. So if you are a very high earner, then that could be nearly half of your savings interest going to HMRC. So it makes cash ISAs all the more valuable a place if you are switching money around. Or another alternative, premium bonds. They're not savings accounts in the same sense. They don't pay interest. Mm -hmm. It's a draw and you can win a prize, but prizes are tax-free. And each UK adult can hold up to £50,000 each in premium bonds and, of course, £20,000 in their ISA. Brilliant advice there. And it has been a a bumper episode with so much, uh, so much advice and and brilliant tips. And just to finish now, then I'd like to open the floor to you both. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to leave us with any kind of advice for the year ahead? Uh, Yeah, so mine would be uh, that sorting out your money can be dull. We dread it and avoid it. But you would be surprised how much you can get done in a few hours these days, Uh, especially thanks to kind of online applications, switching bank, which we said earlier, although it takes, you know, a few days to complete, getting it started can be done in a few minutes. It's much rarer these days that you need to post documents. We mentioned earlier with the ISAs, if only those could go completely paper free. And it's very rare you need to go to a branch these days, even if your previous you know, money life admin experiences have been really negative, it may be easier now. Uh, so don't let you know these things block you from sorting out your finances. Don't overwhelm yourself. I mean, I may be a money expert, but ironically, I really hate doing money stuff. I want Mm. it to be over. That's why I'm good at it, because I want to get it off my plate. But 
I would say pick one thing and say, okay, I'm going to do this in the next two weeks, in the next month. That's my little target to myself and have a reward. Now, I say this in my money course that I've just brought out with the FT. Like, it might help you to engage more with your money if you have some really nice stationery that you keep things in. That really helped me when I was younger. It sounds like really, really stupid. But frankly, Hello Kitty was my path <laughs> to greatness because I wasn't intimidated by it anymore. I thought, OK, Saturday morning, that was my time. I'm just going to do an hour looking at my money stuff, looking at the family's money stuff, moving things around. And I'm going to feel so much better after I've done that. The fear and the anticipation of, oh, got to deal with the money. That is a horrible feeling. But trust me, the feeling of, oh, I've done that. And now I can get on with the rest of my day, with the rest of my life. That is a much better one. So I would wish all of your listeners much more of that kind of feeling in 2024. I love that. A little bit more Hello Kitty. Um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on the show. Thank you both so, so much. Thanks, Lucia. Thanks for having me. Well, a huge thank you to Sam and Claire for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. And remember, you can also find Claire's podcast, the FT Money Clinic, wherever you're listening to this podcast. For daily money news and advice, you can find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written and presented by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly-Jones and edited by James Rowe. You've probably heard of Witch Magazine, our home of hard-hitting journalism and informative stories delivered directly to our members. There's our travel, money and tech mags too. But did you know you can hear some of our best articles for free, available to listen to whenever you like? Each week on the Witch Shorts podcast, we bring you a specially selected story, lovingly voiced and produced especially for you, on a whole range of fascinating topics. Just search Witch Shorts wherever you're listening.